0: Thank you, Lord. This evening, can we all bow our hearts? Even as we sang the last song, the spirit and the bride, they say, come. Come, Lord Jesus. This evening, even as we merited upon, upon God's word, Father, upon your word, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would prepare us to meet you. That we will truly have the confidence. Father, you said in your word, every man who has this hope will cleanse himself because he wants to see him. And we want to be, Father, a people who will be able to stand before you in holiness. And therefore, Father, even as we study your word this evening, cleanses and washes by the water of the word. Wash us by the blood of Jesus. Redeem us a little more from our vain way of life that we have inherited from our forefathers. Cleanse us and wash us and sanctify us. Separate us a little more this evening from this world and unto you. To that end I pray that you would bless, O Lord, this time of meditation, O Lord. Speak to our hearts. And Lord, anoint us to speak, to hear, and empower us to obey. That we will be a set of people who will please you by faith. We thank you, Father. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, If you look at the entire Bible, uh, the entire New Testament, and also the Bible in general, Even though outsiders can read it and they may be touched by what is written in the Bible and come to salvation, the primary reason as to why the Bible was written was to believers. Okay, it was written to believers. All the epistles were written to the church. Okay, even the gospels were written to the church. So the entire Bible in a sense was something which was given as a gift to the church so that we would continuously come under the authority of the scriptures and change our lives in accordance to what the scriptures have to say. And that's exactly what Jesus um, told the Sadducees. He said, you err because you do not what know the scriptures, nor the power of God. And primarily the entire Bible has been written to the believers, yes Um some maybe you might get touched by it, different portions of the bible even as you read it and the, and the lord might speak to you but um, to convert you but you will not understand unless and until you become a part of the kingdom of god until until and unless you become his child so even as i was reading through um um through the book of uh, my daily readings i was reading through ezekiel and i and i found certain, something interesting you know when you read through the bible it is written to the believer right so if you look at uh, the book of ezekiel you know this is what God has to say through the prophet Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter 2. I'm just going to read a few portions to get, uh, to put this sermon into, or this meditation into perspective. Ezekiel chapter 2 verse 1 onwards. And he said to me, son of man, stand on your feet and I will speak to you. Then the spirit entered me and he spoke to me and set me on my feet and I heard him who spoke to me. And he said to me, son of man, I am sending you to whom? To the children of Israel. You see that? So we are all not, he is not sending you, sending the prophet to the heathen. He's sending them to the children of Israel, of course, except for the book of Jonah, which is written kind of to the heathen. But as I said, most part, Bible, most part is written to the believer. Uh, So sending you to the children of Israel and what, who are they? They are a rebellious nation. My children have become rebellious. That they have rebelled against me and their fathers. And if you actually look at uh, this entire portion in the Ezekiel chapter 2 and verse Ezekiel chapter 3, the word rebel occurs 10 times. Okay, suddenly all the Israelites have become rebel stars. Okay, so this is interesting. They all become rebels. And then look at a few more uh, adjectives to describe uh, these rebels. You have, they have transgressed against me to this very day. For they are what? Impudent and stubborn. The word pudent means to be ashamed. Uh, impudent is not ashamed. A set of people who are not ashamed. And stubborn children. I am sending you to them and you shall say to them, thus says the Lord. As for them, whether they hear or whether they refuse. For they are a What? a rebellious house, yet they will know that a prophet has been among them, and moves moves on. And you, son of man, do not be afraid of them, nor be afraid of their words, though briars and thorns are with you. He's explaining what their attitude is. Their fruit is full of briars and thorns, and you dwell among what? Scorpions. It's description of a rebellious house. I mean, it's quite possible that, you know, we could be sitting in the book, under the teaching, and we could instead of becoming more soft and tender and humble and receptive to God's word and teachable, convictions becoming even more stronger, we could turn out to be briars and thorns and scorpions. They're rebellious. They're rebellious. Look at what it says in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 6. For it is impossible for those who are once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of the Lord and the powers of the age to come. If they fall away, to renew them again back to repentance. Why? Since they crucify again for themselves... Uh, the son of God and put him to an open shame for the earth which drinks the rain that often comes upon it and bears herbs useful for those by whom it is cultivated receives blessing. But if it bears what? Thorns and briars. It is rejected. You see the description of God's people and then goes on to say, but you son of man, you don't become like them. Do not be rebellious like them, like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. It's amazing. And again, a uh, few, few, few more, few more descriptions. Ezekiel chapter three, verse four onwards. He, then he said to him, son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak to them my words. You see that? Go not to the Gentiles, to the house of Israel. For they are not sent to a people of, for you're not sent to a people of unfamiliar speech and of hard language. It's not that they don't understand biblical language. They understand very well. Extremely well versed with scripture. They understand i mean if, for example if you speak the kind of language that we are speaking and you invite your unbelieving friend what is he talking about it's all unfamiliar territory for them but for us we have been familiarized with scripture he's saying there are people of not of unfamiliar speech of hard language but the house of israel not too many people of un, not too many people of unfamiliar speech and of hard language whose words you cannot understand surely had i sent you to them they would have what Listen to you. Remember uh, Jesus' indictment against uh, places where he didn't, uh, people did not repent. Chorazim and Bethsaida. If I did the mighty acts among you, they would have repented, and Sodom would have repented. But sorry, it has not happened to you. And then look at what it says: "Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. A few more descriptions. Therefore, hear the hear a word for my for my mouth and give them warning from me when I say to the wicked." Where? The house of Israel. There are some people who have become what? Wicked? Heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And people started listening to their heart (laughs) rather than listening to the word of God or filling their hearts with the word of God. You You shall surely die. If you say to the wicked, you shall surely die and give them no warning. When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give them no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, that the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but that same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. But yet, if you warn the wicked, and he does not turn from his wickedness, not from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you shall have delivered your soul. So, it's quite possible that, you know, some people in the house of God have, been, have become wicked. But I believe that, most dangerous category in the house of God is the next category. Okay. I'm going to explain that category to you. So let us see. Again, when a righteous man turns from his righteousness, he's telling the righteous man, when a righteous man turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity and I lay a stumbling block, what is stumbling block? I offend him. He shall die because you did not give him warning. He shall die in his sin and his righteousness shall not be considered. But his blood will I require. Nevertheless, if you want the righteous man that the righteous should not sin. Or in other words, if I paraphrase, it, you should continue in his what? Righteousness. See, the greatest trouble or the most dangerous category in the believing church is the people who are righteous because it is quite possible for people who are righteous Living was have a semblance of righteousness. Who have accumulated a sense, of, a, 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 a standing that they're righteous to get offended. I mean, okay, I'm here in the church for quite some time. I don't think I need that advice from you. John the Baptist, righteous man, offended because God did not, you know, help him out of the prison. And that is where we all can be. And that is the reason why the righteous shall live by what? Faith. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone who believes, for, the, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from what? From faith to faith. You see that? There is an increasing order of righteousness. And that is the reason why we constantly s- submit ourselves to the teaching of the word of God uh, every day of our lives. Uh, excuse me. Um, of our every every day of our life so what did i title today's sermon as meeting jesus for the first time again that is what i want to talk about encountering jesus for the first time again you see remember uh, the book of uh, the church at ephesus <laughs> remember from where you have fallen and do the works that you did at the first encounter And I believe one of the things that we constantly have to be encountered. When you encounter, we have to encounter the person of Jesus whenever we read the scriptures. The scriptures has to speak to you and has to encounter you and tell you, you know, this is what it is in your life. And we have to time and time again meet him. Encounter the person of Jesus. Because otherwise what will happen, we will all have a form of godliness, but we would have lost its power. Okay, so... Meeting Jesus for the first time again is what I titled today's sermon. But let us see what, had, what does it mean to encounter God. And you look at every person in the Bible who was used of God mightily. Everybody who had a testimony, they had a time and time again an encounter with God. If you look at the life of the patriarch Abraham, it was a constant encountering of God at, at the altar every time he goofed up or he did not goof up. It doesn't matter. He met God at the altar. He encountered God consistently. And that is the reason why he was able to finish his course. And we need to encounter God. And we need to constantly have that experience in, uh, uh, of in- encountering him in his word. When we, even, even as we read the scriptures. And So we look at one, one particular portion in the, in the Old Testament, which is very familiar. From there I'm going to look at what does it mean to encounter him. Uh, what happens when we encounter Jesus. What is the disposition? What is the, wh- how do we know that we have encountered Him? How do we know for ourselves that we have encountered God? Or encountered Jesus? Otherwise, He becomes strange. Remember? <laughs> I remember the story of uh, the stranger on the way to Emmaus. Okay. I was telling, I mean, I, we were just teaching our children at school, the stranger on the way to Emmaus. Jesus is resurrected from the dead. And he's walking. Two of, his, two of his disciples are discussing about Jesus, and their scripture says their their eyes were closed from recognizing him. But I was asking myself this question as to why their eyes was closed were closed from recognizing Jesus, because they had their own understanding of who the Messiah should be. We were thinking that this man would deliver us from our all our oppression, but sorry, it did not happen. And it's third day. Are you a stranger? <laughs> Think about it. No. Did Jesus change? In form? It's a very interesting lesson. I'll give you an example. You have, you have Emmanuel here, okay? Emmanuel, I'm not gonna tease you, don't worry. Emmanuel here is just five years old. Look at her. Um, you know, recently my wife sent me a video clipping of Emmanuel when she was two years old. She, her and our sister were singing Amazing Grace. And she was two years old, no? Five years old. Let's imagine twenty years from now. Okay? Many, dr richard migrated somewhere and he's you know he's somewhere else and uh emanuela knows dr richard okay and uh after a while you know when you grow old your features don't change so much but, but we're growing up from being a five-year-old to let's say 25 year old just imagine the situation where emanuela and dr richard they get off the airport and, and emanuela sees dr richard at, at the airport and she says hey that is dr richard and runs towards dr richard and Dr. Richard, do you remember me? Dr. Richard looks at him and says, I wish I could, but who is this person? Looks very familiar, but no. Uh, I'm sorry. No, think about it. Has Emmanuela got another pair of ears? No. Did she get another nose? No. Two hands? No. Four hands? No. Everything is the same about her in terms of of her. Of her appearance in terms of he didn't, she didn't have anything extra, she only grew up. What happened is she grew up the same person this man is not able to recognize because he did not have a continuous relationship with her. Most of us are like that. Jesus grows up now he 's become a resurrected Jesus, and we are all still at the Earthly realm. Jesus doesn't have a, I mean, doesn't have extra pair of ears. He's the same, but he is a glorified Jesus. But we cannot recognize him. You know why? Because we are still living at that level, and we need to grow up to the level of Jesus. You need to understand that. It's sometimes, you know, just imagine. Spiritually speaking, it's all also like that. Think about it. No, I'm, I'm just like this now. I've, I've maintained status quo. Pastor James. 10 years from now, he's gone to some underground church. He's been used of God mightily. And he has incredible experiences. And he's got this level of understanding of God. And he comes to church. And he's speaking. Now he said, is this the same pastor James that we heard before? That's exactly what will happen if you don't grow with God. You see? So most of us get stagnated. You know why? Because we're, hmm, we're not growing. You know, spouses don't grow. One spouse is growing, the other spouse is not added. Who's this person? I don't know this person. Problem is, you're not growing together. You see? You understand? So we need to grow. So therefore we need to constantly have a what? Encounter with God. So when we have an encounter with God, what are the characteristics that will happen to me? I mean, how do I know uh, if I've really encountered God? Okay, that's a question that I want to ask myself and we will try to answer it from a particular passage in the Old Testament. Very familiar. So don't become familiar people. Like I said, very familiar with the scriptures, but you know what? Familiarity breeds contempt. Don't become contempt. Okay. Don't have contempt towards the word of God. I mean, so Genesis chapter 32, verse 22 onwards. And he arose. This is of course, Jacob that night and took his two wives, his two female servants, his 11 sons crossed over the fort of Jabuk, he took them, sent them over the brook and sent over what he had, then what? Jacob was left alone and, thank God, it's not God who wrestled, it's a man, of course, this, we know that it is Jesus in his pre-incarnation appearance, a man wrestled with him. You know, sometimes we have this wrong ideas that we wrestle with God. No, we don't. God wrestles with us most of the time. That's exactly what he's doing to all of us. He's wrestling every day. We, we, I like that modern song, no? Great is your, what? Faithfulness, O oh God. You what? Wrestle with the sinner's heart. And God is constantly doing that every day. I mean, every time we come to the uh, teaching of the word of God, you know what he's doing? He's actually wrestling with us. Okay, he's wrestling. But you know something? I like this. Jacob was what? Left alone. You know it's something which you need to understand it happened i I'm, I'm not using this um, example for impact factor, not as an impact factor impact factor I'm done with after I'm finished my PhD. the impact factors because we want <laughs> where how impactful is your research is over no no in this I'm not using this example because it's because it is now very close to us. now think about it no we just recently had uh, and Appu going through something incredible in really really testing. It was something we were all there together. For them as a church, right? Yeah, we were there. Yeah, Raj, we are there with you. We are praying for you. We are going to support you. Whatever we can, we will do it for you. But you know something? Raj had to go through it. With with all the support he had, there is something that he alone could go through. And Apu alone could go through. Notwithstanding all the support that he had. You know, something that we alone have to go through. That's exactly what happened to Jacob. He was left alone. Something happened. Actually, the, the, the reason why he was left alone is because he, was, he wanted to pray after a long time because now he's going back to his hometown and he just devised this master plan as to how to appease his brother and he knows that his brother is coming to kill him. That's what he thought. Okay. Now he's praying, hoping. And now he says, you know what, I'm going to send away this company and I'm going to somehow ask and pray the Lord. Pray to the Lord saying, Lord, help me and save me. But you know what? God wrestles with him. But he's left alone. So this is exactly what we need to also experience time and time again. We need to be what? Left alone with God. And think about it. How many of us have this left alone experiences? We'll come to that later on. But just keep in mind, man and a man wrestled with him. Okay. Now, when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip. And this is exactly what God has to do with all of us. He does not prevail against us. He wrestles, wrestles, wrestles. It is is not happening. So if you don't break yourself, I will break you. So he broke him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name, etc.? He said, Jacob, now we know this, but one of the things you need to understand, I will not let you go unless you bless me. But let me ask you tell you something. God is a God who desires to bless his people. You know, the very first statement that God pronounced over Adam and Eve, it was not a command. It was not even a promise. You know what it was? It was a blessing. Look at it, Genesis chapter one. So God created man in His own image, in the image of God He created them. Created him, male and female. He created them, and what? God blessed them, and God said to them, "Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion, etc." God is a one. He is a God who desires and He wants to bless His people. This is not there. Now look at look at what it says in um, uh, sorry, uh. Genesis chapter, sorry, Numbers chapter 6. Numbers chapter, you know this, is the famous Aaronic blessing, right? Now speak to Aaron and his son saying, this is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face, face shine upon you and be gracious to, to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Lord lift. He wants to bless us. He's a God who desires to bless us. Look at another place. Now this is... The children of Israel, after having failed God in several tests. And now, Balak comes and says, uh, bribes Balaam to what? To do what? To curse Israel. And, and Balaam is going through to, to several vantage points to see if he can curse Israel. And nothing happens, only blessing comes out. And something he realizes. You know what it re, he realizes in Numbers chapter 24 verse 1. Now, when Balaam saw that it what? Pleased the Lord to? bless Israel. He is a God who wants to bless his people. Please the Lord to bless him. Now this comes home to us in the new covenant, right? How does it come home to the new covenant? How can God bless a people who are so sinful and rebellious? He, he this possible in the new covenant, because Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14 will say, we know this verse very well, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, what? Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham may come upon the Gentiles in, the, in, in Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit through him. So, so this is what he wants to do, he wants to bless us, the blessing of Abraham, it says, Again, you can go and you don't have to turn. there. Genesis chapter 24, verse 1 will say, and the Abraham increased in years and it says, and the Lord God blessed him in all things. Blessed him in all things. But in order for us to experience that blessing, we need to encounter God every day of our, I mean, every day is, yes, but you know, periods of time where we just, truly go to the presence of the Lord and say, Lord, unless you bless me, I will not go. But how do we have that blessing is a question or rather, how do we know that God has truly blessed us? How do we know that? Okay. It is a disposition. It's not so many steps that I have to do, you know, because we all like to do steps, three, four easy steps for blessing or four hard steps. No, no, no. There are no hard steps, only easy, easy steps. They're no easy steps. This is a disposition. This is an attitude. Okay. So, what is the attitude? Now, think about it. Where does God meet Jacob? Oh, sorry, Jacob. He meets him at the place called Jabok. And what does Jabok mean? It's a very interesting word. Jabok in the uh, in the Old Testament occurs six times. Six times. Of course, we don't want to look at all those contexts where it occurs. But this particular time when it occurs. The first time the meaning is given, and what is jabuk? What is that? Empty. If you want God to bless you, you should be empty. I was, we went to this recent uh, meeting at, I think, Pastor used the same example, no? Uh, that he used in the church. Uh, he was telling those guys, I mean, he was telling the church there, he was saying, uh, t- just imagine I'm carrying a glass of water and even as I'm carrying the glass of water somebody come and sp- comes and pushes me and the water spills so if i ask you why did the water spill what is your answer because because ah she got the answer oh. because water is present inside not because somebody pushed me you see it's very significant That is the reason why Jesus says, out of the abundance of your, what? Heart, the mouth speaks. Okay. Circumstances don't make you. Circumstances bring out what you are already becoming. Okay. You see that? So, unless therefore, if we truly, truly want the blessing, therefore we need to be emptied first so that God can fill us. We sing that song in our church. Uh, he lowers us to Raise us so that we can sing His praises. Whatever be His will, all is well. You see that? Remember that song? It's a beautiful song. Okay, but how does this emptying happen? So, how do we know that we have emptied ourselves? That's a question. So, we look at one familiar passage in the Old, in the New Testament, to understand what this emptying process is all about. Anybody knows? Specific, specific, familiar. So let that familiarity become too familiar for us. Let us see that particular passage and that is going to be the meat of today's message. How do we know that we have emptied ourselves? Okay. Or rather, how do we know that we have encountered Jesus? This is, this is what should happen. Philippians chapter two. And you know this, right? Let's see this verse. Let this mind be in you. It all starts here in your mind, which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God, did not consider robbery to be equal with God, but what? Emptied himself. You see that? Emptied himself. That is the actual Greek word, but it's rendered in the NKJV and the KJV as, but made himself for what? No reputation. Taking the bond form of a bond servant. Okay, and then I'm, I'm looking at, look at, look, look at the order. Robbery to be equal with God. That's the next one what I'm going to look at. Coming in the likeness of men. What does that mean? Being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient even to the death on the cross. And then what happened? God exalted him. Seven. Okay. Seven things. Seven dispositions. If there are not seven, I will find seven. Simple. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. So seven things. First thing, he made himself of no reputation, and then what? Second one, took a form of a bond servant. Okay, did not equality with God. Did not grasp it. Okay, and then fourth one. Yeah, you can see that it says uh, likeness of his, made in the likeness of men. Fifth, uh, fifth one, humbled himself. Sixth and seventh together became obedient to the death of the cross, even unto the death of the cross, and therefore God highly exalted. Seven things. So, what does it mean? First, first thing I want to look at is this, what does it mean to be making yourself with no reputation? First question is, what should we be really concerned about reputation? What does it mean to make ourselves of no reputation is a question. First principle, look at these principles I'm going to teach you today. What are the principles of, what does it mean to have no reputation? Should we Does it mean that we should pursue no reputation? Or something else. Look, look at what it, what it says in Luke's Gospel, chapter 16, verse 15. We know this verse very well. And he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your heart, for what is, what? Exalted among men is an abomination to the sight of God. What is highly esteemed, other translations will say, what is highly esteemed among men is a abomination in the sight of God. In other words, we have to be not concerned with our reputation primarily before men. We have to be concerned with our reputation before god that's the first thing second again luke's gospel chapter 7 the same principle and when all the people heard him even the tax collectors justified god having been baptized with the baptism of john but the pharisees and the lawyers rejected the will of god for themselves not having been baptized by them you see that you see every everybody sees that so that is what should we be truly concerned about reputation therefore Okay, one classic example for me in the in the New Covenant for a guy who really was not concerned about a reputation. I, I, I mentioned this in the, one of the Bible studies, but look at what it says in John's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 47 to 49. Whom am I talking about? Philip found Nathaniel. Okay, Philip found Nathaniel. It says in uh, John's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 47 to 49, Jesus saw Nathaniel coming toward him and said of him, Behold, a true Israelite. Indeed, an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Why? Because this guy was not concerned about reputation. Nathaniel said to me said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. In other words, Something he was doing under the tree. Something very intimate was happening there. And God saw that. Jesus saw that and immediately Nathaniel is shocked when he hears that statement. What? You saw me under the victory. Something happens inside of him. Why is this victory under the victory? What does it mean to be under the victory? God seeing us under the victory. What does it mean? to show you scripture, to show this principle to you. Under the green tree. Have you heard this phrase anytime? I'm going to show you three three times in the Bible. It it occurs several times. So three times this phrase under the green tree occurs. Okay. Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 20. For of old I have broken your yoke and burst your bonds and you said I will not transgress when on every high hill and every, under every green tree you lay down Playing the harlot. What does it mean? Under the tree is the time where you are having this intimate relationship with God. And you know what Jesus is saying? You know what Nathaniel? I saw you when I saw when you were under the fig tree. Another place, not just one verse. 3.6, the Lord also said to me in the days of Josiah the king, have you seen what backsliding Israel has done? She has gone upon every high mountain under every green tree and there played the, it doesn't say there he committed idolatry, no. He played the harlot, meaning he was having intimate relationship with something. Thou shall have no other gods before me. And he looks at Nathaniel and he says, Nathaniel, I know you man. I know your intimate moments. Another place, Jeremiah 3.13, Only acknowledge your iniquity that you have transgressed against the Lord your God and have scattered your charms to alien deities under what? Every green tree. You see that? Under every green tree. That's the place of intimate relationship. And can God tell us today? I saw you under your victory today. (laughs) Where you're transacting with me. Do you have that time separated under the tree? Remember when Isaac was, how was, how did Rebecca find Isaac? By the fields? Doing what? Meditating. It's a time where he is meditating upon scriptures. And you know what God is? Jesus told him, I saw you when you were under the fig tree. I saw your deep and intimate moments with me. That is how we know that we are a people who have been, who have encountered God. We are totally, utterly dependent upon our intimate relationship with God. And when Nathaniel hears, he says, Nathaniel answered and said, Rabbi, you are the son of God, you are the king of Israel. Rabbi means what? In our Indian languages? Guru. You are my Guru. You are my Guru. See that? So we should. This is what we're talking about. We are talking about a repu- Yes, we should have a reputation, but before God. Otherwise, we will have a Kind of a faith which are called unconfessed faith. What is unconfessed faith? I'll talk about what unconfessed faith means. There are at least three kinds of false faith. That is what we call, first is called dead faith. Everybody knows what is dead faith. As the body without the spirit is dead, so is faith without works. So faith without works is dead. Second is demonic faith. What is that faith? Even the demons believe and tremble. You know something? Demons also get their prayers answered. You know that? Did you know the demons get their prayers answered? Oh Jesus, don't punish us before our time. Don't send us to the abyss. Where do you want me to send you? Please send us, we pray. Please send us into the answer your prayer. So just because you're getting <laughs> your prayers answered. <laughs> see, what the demons cannot do is they cannot what? Change and repent. They're set in their ways like pastor keeps telling us. They're set. That is demonic faith. For First we have dead faith. Then you have demonic faith. The third false faith that we can have is what we call as unconfessed faith. And unconfessed faith happens because we are bothered about our what? reputation look at what it says in john's gospel chapter 12. nevertheless even among the rulers many believed in him but because of the pharisees they did not confess him they believed like the demons believed and they trembled they also believed but they did not confess lest they should be put out of the synagogue for they loved the praise of men rather than the praise that comes from god alone the glory that comes from god alone so you need to understand are we, should we be concerned about our reputation before? No, that is not our primary thing. Our primary thing is, do I please God and God alone? Either I justify myself or God justifies me. Okay. Otherwise we will end up with what we call as an unconfessed faith. How do we know? How do I know that I have unconfessed faith? It's like this, No one man of God puts it beautifully. The Telugu preacher. When they come to church. And Nuduru with a billa when they go outside. What is billa? Bottu. When they come to church, Bottu less. When they go out into the world, third eye. When they come to church, conservatively dressed. When they go out into the world, Nijasvarupam. Vishwarupam. Okay, shan mugam. <laughs> all kinds of mukams will come out. You see, that is what we call as unconfessed faith. You, this is a faith which you're ashamed of God in your public spaces to confess boldly, you have to witness boldly. That is unconfessed You know why? Because you're concerned about what other people think. You're not radical. This is what we call as unconfessed faiths. So now think about it. Now think about it. This is important for us to understand. Should we therefore pursue no reputation? Oh my goodness, I have a very good reputation in the office that I'm a good worker. Let me do bad work so that I get a bad reputation. I'm not talking about that. See, there are two kinds of works in the Bible. That is what we call as righteous works and that is what we call as good works. There's a difference. Righteous works is where you have a relationship with God in your where secret place. That is righteous works. Let me show you in the Bible. Matthew chapter 6. Beware of practicing what? Your righteousness before other people in order to be seen of them. For there you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. So the father who sees you in secret. That means what is your righteous works? Your prayer life and your word life essentially your communi- your your your, int, uh, your relationship with god and your prayer life your word life your fasting and your giving all this what we call as righteous work why is giving also a righteous work why should it be done in secret is because of this there's a tremendous danger when i give in in what we call as, as uh in public or if so that everybody knows a tremendous danger! You know what? I will, cut, I will, ma- I can manipulate other people. Just imagine, no, just imagine. Think about it. Now, if if I did not help Doctor Richard secretly, I have given him a huge monetary help. Think about it. And now, suddenly there is a kind of a relationship that happens. Unless and until you know, both of us are very clear about our relationship with God, I have become suddenly his benefactor. No. You're not talking about that. There is a righteous work and there is a what work? Good work. How should we, how should the good works be? You know what it says in Matthew chapter five? Sorry, uh, before we go to righteous works, uh, yeah, first, uh, first, first Peter chapter two, uh, beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul, having your conduct, what honorable among the Gentiles, 1st Peter chapter 3 verses 6 to 7 Not a novice or a recent converse lest being puffed up with pride he fall into the same condemnation of the devil. Moreover he must have a good testimony among those who are outside. Now one of the things that should happen to us if we leave our workplace tomorrow they should miss us. A like Zavi says some people bring happiness wherever they go. Some people bring happiness whenever they go. Which category do we belong to? So that is the reason why he says in Matthew chapter five, let your let your light so shine before men, so that they may what see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And that good works is a result, is a fruit of a secret life that you have with God. You see that? So understand this. So we just because uh, no reputation means let him, let me pursue no reputation now. Let me just become a bad worker. No, this is what it says about uh, about uh, uh, Joseph in the in Potiphar's house. Genesis chapter 39 verses 2 and 4. The Lord was with Joseph and he became a what? Successful man. And he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. You know, one of the things that you know that your boss trusts you, you know how you know that your boss trusts you? If he gives you more work. Hmm. More responsibility. More work more work. I remember you now once I have, we were having a a teacher's meeting to decide upon the course, first year, first, year, first, year, first semester course. And, uh, they, they, they asked all the teachers, okay, we, do you want to take this course? Do you want, which course do you want to take? You have to give our options. I chose one course from the first year, first year, first semester, one of the most tiring courses. And they asked him, do you want any help? I said, no, I will do all the courses, uh, the entire course, three, three classes, three labs, all by myself. All by myself. See that? They should not check you out because you are a bad worker. You see, they should be a. You should. We are not pursuing no reputation for in that sense. No, that is the reason why it says in First Peter chapter two, you should not suffer while doing bad. And if you suffer while doing bad, then you deserve a punishment. You don't, somebody somebody said, right, you don't get a $40,000 job immediately after you graduate, unless you have earned it. See? Okay. So that is the first thing. First thing is what people, what does it mean not to have a reputation? Okay, that is a disposition. Second one, to be a bond servant. What does it mean? And I will look at two passages in the Old Testament and the New Testament. I just wanted to juxtapose these two to understand what it, mean, what it means to be a bond servant. Sacrifice and offering. This is Psalm 40. Verse 6. Sacrifice and offering thou did not desire. Mine ears thou hast opened. That's exactly what a bond servant does. His ears are open. Look at the parallel render, rendering in the, in the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 10. Verses 5 onwards. He saith... Sacrifices and offerings thou wouldst not, but a body you have prepared for me what does it say here you have opened my ears, you have prepared for me a body that means whoever has your ears has your body. speak Lord, your servant is hearing. I call this one, two, three principle. what is it one two three principle very simple psalm one, two, three. Okay, Psalm 1, 2, 3, verses 1, 2. Unto you I lift up my eyes, O you who dwell in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of the servants look to the hand of their masters, as the eyes of a maid to the hand of its mistress, so our eyes look unto you, O Lord, for mercy. You see that constantly. I'm saying, Lord, I'm yours. Completely yours. I want to hear you progressively disposition where i don't want to do anything apart from i am your bond servant that's the reason why it says in romans paul a bond servant of jesus christ called to be an apostle what he he became apostle later first what was he he was a bond servant everywhere bond servant every disciple who was dealt with by god became a bond servant third characteristic what does it mean Robbing equality with God. What does that mean? Let us look at this uh, in different translations to get an understanding of what it means. Philippians chapter 2 verse 6. Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. That is what it says in the NKJV. Look at how it says in NIV. Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. In other words, Naaku enti. I remember one, one pastor's conference, no? One pastor came to Pastor James and he said, <laughs> what do you get by doing all this? What is your advantage? I mean, <laughs> very blatant question. <laughs> Why, why, why do you, why do you do this? Look at this, another translation. Beautiful. This is the ESV. Who though he was formed in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be what? Grasped. I am eligible for this position, Baba. I'll do everything in my office to get it now. Eligible. I am the most, you know, we say that this is the most eligible bachelor. This is all attitudes. Okay. To get me, the girl has to deserve me. See, How can I, I can have anybody? Look at what it says in the, the Living Bible translation. To get it. Who, though he was God, did not demand and what? Cling to his rights as God. In Kalab, no Zindabad. Yeah, that's that's the reason why you know. Remember, uh, remember that parable of uh, of uh, of the people. I mean, of the servants from morning till evening. Yeah. So a lot of servants were being were, were there for hired, to hire themselves, and man one man goes and says, "Okay, fine, I'll give you your uh, your one dinari a day if you come and work in my vineyard." So all these fellows go. They work one dinari for the whole day. And then again, he goes back in the, after a few hours and he finds so many people. What are you doing? We didn't find work. Okay, go. I'll give you what is? Right. It's very interesting. I will give you what that that is, that is, that is what, what is right. And again, he goes in the evening, he goes and finds our people. What, what is, we didn't find any work. Come and work in my vineyard. I will give you what is? Right. Finally, till the last hour, he goes and he looks at them and he says, what are you doing? We didn't find any work. And then Come and work. I will give you. What is? Right. At the end of the day, he calls his steward and says, give. Beginning from where? From the last to the first. The first fellow comes. The last fellow comes. One denarii. I automatically, the other fellow says, I know. I do. If that fellow worked for such a less, less time and he thinks that he, that he got one dinari, that means I deserve what? More. The next fellow also gets the same the next one also gets the same. And the next one also gets the same. And then they start grumbling. You are not fair. We deserve more. Immediately all the people in Russia and China say, see Jesus is a communist. Take from the rich and give it to the poor. No, Jesus is neither a communist nor not capitalist. See, if, if Jesus were a communist and if he, if he continues to do that, the next day when will we find all the workers? Will he find them in the beginning of the day or the end of the day? End of the day. No? He will not find them in the beginning of the day. He's not talking about, he's not talking about cap, capitalism and communism over here. He's talking about, you know what? You don't deserve anything. I choose to give you what I choose, not because what you deserve, because I'm merciful. And Jesus had to, Go through the same thing. You know what? He did not cling. Lord, what are you talking about? You are to die for these people. Come on, I'm God. You know who I am? He never clung to his rights. Not demand. Look at what it says in the Message Bible. It's beautiful, okay? I mean, I'm using several renderings to just get a flavor of what this thing is all about. Um, but don't, didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of the status no matter what. Not at all. I have a status, but I will not cling to the advantages of the status, not at all. It's like, you know, you imagine a king in the country who would make his son go through the same rigor. He will say, you know what, you are going to go through the entrance exam and you will not use my name for your seat. And the only person in my life I have seen was a man whom I shared my room in my university days. You know who's who's that person? His name is Narayan Murthy. The founder and the ex-CEO of Infosys. You know what? He never used his position to take a heavy paycheck home. And he never used his position to favor his own son. His own son. His own son, if he had to become something in the company, he had to earn his way. He is not going to have any rights. Look, what we have today is a set of people who claim for their rights. See, you don't have any rights. That is what it means. Lord, I don't have any rights. Just imagine Moses. No, I, Lord, I sloughed for your people for 40 years. Come on, Lord. This is unfair. I'm not entering into the promised land. Unfair, Lord. You know what he says? All your ways are right and just. And God says, you know what? Because of that, I'm going to give you grace marks. With grace marks, and I'm going to bring you into the land of promise, not by yourself now, but in your glorified body, you will enter into the land of promise. And in the Mount of Transfiguration, he comes and sets his feet on the Mount of Transfiguration along with Jesus in the promised land. So Jesus is, I mean, God is a God. When you give away your rights, you know what? You will never lose with God. That's what he's trying to say. He's given away all his rights. That is what it means. Look at what it's... This attitude is beautifully explained in one parable. In Luke's Gospel chapter 17. And which of you having a servant plowing or tending sheep will say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and sit down and eat, but will will he not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper, gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk and afterwards you will eat and drink. Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. So likewise, when you have done all those things, which you are commanded, say, we are what servants? Unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty. Finished. No rights, no privileges, no extra bonus. Nothing. I remember those days, uh, for Dasara, all the railway employees used to get bonus. Uh, how do we know that we got, we got the bonus? They're, outside there will be shop. Full Santa. So that they can get their bonus and spend. That day, the very same day. And you know, when the bonus gets... Reduced. My God, there's a Hartal. Mazdur Union comes together. In Kalab. All taxpayers' money. You see? So this is something which we need to ask. Lord, no rights for me. No rights. Okay? John's Gospel chapter 3. Another example. John answered and said, a man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ. When he came and asked them, no, no, what are you? What are you? Are you this person? Are you this person? He said, no, I am not Christ. I am not Elijah. I am not this person. I am not that person. What are you? I am uh, simply a voice in the wilderness. He who has the bride is a bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. He must decrease and I must, sorry, he must increase, I must uh, decrease. No rights, no privileges. That is the attitude. Second, what does it mean to be transformed into the likeness of men? Okay, let me show you this principle and let us see how we we have that kind of, this this is an attitude as I said. How do we know that we have this kind of an attitude? Hebrews chapter 2 verse 17. Therefore in all things he had to be made like his brethren, this is Jesus, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself had suffered being tempted, he is also able to aid those who are tempted. So Jesus had to become like a man in order to experience all the temptations that we Experience as men. Tell me, who has greater temptations, men or women? I don't know. But I, my personal experience, opinion. Girls might beg to disagree. I think it is more difficult to be a man than to be a woman. In this day and age. Okay. It's very difficult to be a man. To be a man who is innocent of evil. Very difficult. My, my personal opinion. That, that is the reason why Jesus had to become a man. Okay, just six. So what is the principle over here? What is the principle? What is the principle over here? This principle you'll find, this attitude you'll find in Apostle Paul. What is this attitude? What does it mean to become like men? Okay, what is this attitude? Take care. You need to understand what his attitude is in order for us to know whether we really have that kind of a disposition or not. Galatians chapter 4 verse 12. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, Galatians chapter 4 verse 12. Which I'm very far far from being, but I pray that God will make me this way. What it says. Brethren, I urge you to become Can Can we all read it together? Brethren, I urge you to become like me, for I became like you. that's the principle let us try to understand what it means a little more in detail what does it mean what does that mean to be what so that i sh- i want to become like uh, you so that i mean so that you can become like me god became a man so that man could become god so what does it mean what is it what how do i know that i have a have that kind of an attitude let us try to explore this a little more 1 corinthians chapter 9 Verses nineteen onwards. For though I am free from all, I have made my servant to all. And I'll read this uh highlighting together that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became like a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those who uh under the law as a one under the law, though not by my though not being myself under the law, then I might win those who are under the law. To those who are outside, I'll Outside the law, I became one outside the law. Not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ. Then I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became the weak. That I might win the weak. I became all things to all people. So that by all means, I might save some. What is the common thing? I might win. I might win. I might win. I might win. What does it mean to ha- become like, in the uh, to be converted into the likeness? of it? What is that attitude? What is the ki- kind of an attitude that we should have? You should become a winsome weirdo. I got this terminology from, uh, plagiarized it of course, so I'm not plagiarizing anymore because I'm citing this. This is from Desiring God's website. Become a winsome weirdo. What does it mean to become a winsome weirdo? 1st Peter chapter 4. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised. When you do, don't do all, this, all these things when you go to your work, they are very surprised. Baba, you are so weird. You know, they should have what we call as a love-hate relationship with you. They should love your attitude, but hate what you stand for. They should love your attitude when you go to work, you're not trying to show off anything, but you're just trying to be what you are, your convictions, you're trying to live out your convictions, but you're asking God, Lord, make me a way where they will have to love me for my attitude, but have to hate me for my convictions. with respect to this they are surprised when you when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you they say boys, this is a fool this is a mad fellow but you know what i can't stand him anymore but i also can't stop loving him i remember rajkumar Ramachandran's testimony okay uh, if you heard his testimony it's very interesting okay he had his christian friend among him who would come along with him to every you know gathering of theirs and every time They would start to drink or booze. This fellow used to stand like this, sit there and do nothing. But he used to be absolutely, you know, kind and considerate. And if these guys got drunk, he used to take them home and drop them. And one day he got very irritated. No, Rajkumar Ramachandran got very irritated. What is this guy so different? He does not drink with us, but he's got such a good heart. And one day that person came to him and he said, Rajkumar, Let me tell you something. If you don't accept the Lord Jesus as your personal savior, you are going to hell. There is only one way way to God. That is through Jesus Christ. Straightforward answer. And he he left. The same person, no? who was, and he was so upset, you know. He loved his friend, but hated his God. Then he said, these fellows, these Christians, they are not as wise as me. Let me do something. I am going to buy a Bible i 'm going to read it so thoroughly, and i 'm going to prove to them from their own Bible that Jesus is not God and Poor fellow started with john 's gospel of all the pres, and he was confronted one after the other, one after the other, and you should, you should, you should see what happens you know when, when, when he got converted the first time he went to the altar, you know what he said, he brought his friend who was in the pew, and he said, You have to come along with me.' to the altar when I'm confessing my sins and ac- when, I'm, uh, when I'm accepting Jesus as my Lord and Savior. You have to come along with me. That is what they have to also do to you. They should hate you for your convictions but they should love you for your attitude. That is what we call as a winsome what? Weodo. We they're all weirdos, but they're not winsome. They're obnoxious. Hari, he's a weirdo boss. 25 meters away ev- ev- distance in Jala. Touch me not. Holy, holy, don't touch me, don't touch me. No, 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 no. You should be a winsome weirdo. That's what it means, right? Jesus was, what, 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 what was he called? A friend of tax collectors and sinners. How come these sinners are so attracted to this weirdo who is so winsome? Winsome weirdo. And this is a challenge for all of us. Jeremiah chapter 15 verse 19. The Lord responds... If you turn to me, I will restore you and you can continue to serve me. If you speak good words rather than worthless ones, you will be my spokesman. You must, what? Influence them. They should not influence you. Ardha Michael here. Colossians will explain it even more beautifully, okay? I'm going to read this uh, th- in three different translations to get a feel of what it's, what, what does it mean to be a winsome viodo. Colossians chapter 4 verses 5 to 6. This is KJV, okay? S- traditional KJV. Walk in wisdom toward them that are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Okay, this is uh, KJV. Look at what it says in uh, the Living Bible make the most of your chances to tell others the good news how are you going doing that hmm? be wise in all your contacts with them let your conversation be gracious as well as sensible for then you will have the right answer for everyone look at what it says in the message i like uh, peterson's uh, rendering also oh where is message is not there oh no please that was the best please go and read the message. It is even more beautiful. Okay. So this is how you win those people who are outside. The whole purpose is to what? To win them to whom? To Christ. Now will you be able to win all of them? No, only some. When you stand strong on your convictions, it is not going to be easy. You know, Jesus also himself, he he had several people who followed him. He was winsome in that sense, but only a few people were left. Ultimately only 11 followed him. Okay. Only few got saved. But that did not stop him from being winsome. That is how you have to be with people who are outside. What about people who are inside the church? You should be a winsome viodo to them as well. How will you, how do you be a winsome viodo in church? Okay? Shall, let me show you. This is found in Matthew chapter 18. How do you win, be a winsome viodo in church? I love this uh, verse. If your brother or sister sins, Husband and wife sins also, okay? This is including everyone, okay? Against you. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them. Ah, That is why, That is the purpose for me becoming a winsome weirdo. I want to just confront them in private and say, you know what, I just want to have a chat with you. Please, the way you behave that time, don't say it in front of everybody. That is what I have to learn now. You, nowadays, even in our school, one of the principles we want to follow is don't correct children in public. Otherwise, they will not become, you will not win them over to your side. The way you win them over is by doing a one-on-one with them and saying, no, this is what you're not supposed to do. So that you win them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two other, others along along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. This is how you do it, biblically. If you have something against your brother or your sister, go. Matthew chapter 18. If they still refuse, tell it to the church. And if they still refuse to listen to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. You see the the process of, the whole point of, of judging somebody is to win them. See, that is the reason why Jesus also does the same thing. He gives them over to our desires, hoping that through our indulgence, we will come back to him. That is what he told, he tells Jeremiah. Your own backslidings will, will do what? Will heal you. <laughs> will b- bring you back to me. Hopefully. So he was very winsome. Look at how he answers wisely, you know. Luke's Gospel chapter 10. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to, J- to test Jesus. Teacher. He asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in, uh, uh, this is what he asked. And he said, What is written in the Lord? He replied, how do you read it? You know, look at Jesus' answer. He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Oh boy, your answer is perfect, bro. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? And we know the story. The good, the story of the good Samaritan because this is how he answered everybody. He wants to win them over. And you know, ultimately after he gives the argument and he asks this question, tell me who showed most mercy. You know what he says? The man, uh, uh, tell me who loved his neighbor. I know what the, what the guy replies. He doesn't even, he doesn't even say the Samaritan. He doesn't even want to take that word out of his mouth. He says the man who showed kindness. And he says, Jesus goes and says, you go and do likewise. That is how he tries to win people over. You see, he opens them up in their own assumptions. That is wisdom. That is what it it means to become like them. You see? And therefore, but but you are in the world, but you are not of the world. How do we uh, win people over? This is a caution that we need to exercise. This is found in Jude's gospel. Uh, This is the episode of of Jude. uh, Chapter 1 verse 22 and 23. Be merciful to those who doubt. Please be merciful. Don't say, uh, you Gentiles, etc, etc. Don't say those words, okay? Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others show mercy mixed with fear. Hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. That is what it means to be transformed into the likeness of men. So we looked at four attitudes, no? We look at one, one more attitude. Uh... Before we finish, what is humbling yourself? We looked at it several times. What one attitude, this is a tremendous daily exercise. 1 Peter chapter 5, and you will find this over and over again in the Bible. But we have to repeat this because this is one of the most difficult attributes to have. 1 Peter chapter 5 verses 5. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourself to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. How do we do this? By casting all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. You know why? Because when you, whenever you humble yourself under somebody, there's always this fear. Will he take advantage of me? Will he take advantage of me? Okay, because we don't like to be taken advantage of, right? Whenever we go to the market, we don't want people to take advantage of it. We want to take advantage of people. It's like, we, we are very smart these days. 20 rupees kilo. What, 15 rupees? A poor fellow now, he has to get rid of his stock. Okay, sir, this is this ko, And then you'll see, 15 rupees I got. I remember one one pastor. I don't want to name his name. He came to his church, and he, he his wife gave a fantastic testimony about him. You know, he, he, she said, "My husband, whenever he goes to the market, he never argues with anybody. Whatever the price, he he, he takes and comes. Okay, yeah, he never argues. How much is this? Fifty rupees kilo. You know what he says? If he has taken advantage of me, I have blessed him. But you know what? He has to be answerable to God." I will not. And he also has this poor fellow, man. Come on, poor fellow. This fellow, poor fellow. Have mercy. You know, we all have this fear. I don't want to be taken advantage of. Especially in marriages. Forget what it says in 1 Peter chapter 3. It's a principle, okay? I'm not picking on women here, okay, uh, because I'm just a young husband here. Uh, rather, it should be that of your inner self. He's talking to the women. The unfading beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit, which is of a great worth in God's sight. For this way, the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham, called her Lord, and then you are her daughters if you do what is right and do not have any fear. Amazing, and that's exactly what she did. Submitted himself herself to him, and this guy was doing all kinds of things with her. Please call me, call me your brother, taking an advantage of. But God always protected her. You see that? You need to ask when did she call him Lord? Homework. We know that one of the answers we know is, and when, when he offered Isaac on the altar, she possibly would have given her consent. When was the other time, or when was the first time she called her Lord, called him Lord? In the Bible, that's a homework question for you. Very interesting, very interesting. Okay. Please go go and check it out and uh, uh, get an answer for yourself. And again, 1 Peter chapter 2. Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as a supreme authority. So here we can put Prime Minister Modi. Or to the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorance of foolish men. You see that? This is how you do? Okay. This is, I mean, we studied this in several contexts. Another way of humbling ourselves. We know that before we started the year, how did we humble ourselves? By fasting and praying. So many things. So many attitudes. This is a disposition. A constant path of humbling ourselves regularly. Coming under authority. Submitting ourselves to correction. Okay. Commandment is light. Law is life. reproof of instruction. Are a way of life. Commandment is light. Sorry, commandment is lamp. Law is light. Reproofs of instruction are a way of life. Reproof, correction. Humility again. Let's move on. Being obedient. And that is the way of the cross. Let us look at this particular thing. Uh, one particular attribute which I want to touch upon. And then we will close. And being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself. And he became obedient. Even the death of the cross. What is becoming obedient? It's very interesting. It's a progressive obedience, right? Hebrews chapter 5, will talk about this. We know this very well. During the days of Jesus's life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries, tears and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Though he was son, son, though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. No suffering? No obedience. Okay. Nowadays we'll say, blessing for us, suffering for Jesus. He's already suffered. No suffering anymore. No, 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 no. We all will go through suffering. You need need to understand, everybody in the world goes through suffering. You know know that, right? It's very interesting, right? In Isaiah he says, I have chosen you out of the furnace of affliction. Just because you're going through the furnace of affliction, God will not choose you. Even among those who are going through the furnace of affliction, God will have a chosen among them because not everybody will humble themselves. I have chosen you worm jacob burma how did, no we are not we don't consider ourselves worm, right Purugu kida. you see those are the languages that you uh, what is it what do you call grasshopper in uh in Telugu huh? Mirtha, Mirtha, Mirtha Mukham. Somebody calls us Mirtha Moham, we get so offended. See, we don't want to stand for, see, every time you actually stand for truth, you need to really humble yourself because you will be called all kinds of names in the book. See, some preacher, preacher made a very powerful statement. You know, he said, Kukka buddhi Dogs are real nature will, you will understand when it comes to eating a meat piece, okay? You put one vegetarian piece and one leg piece, which would it will take? Leg piece. And all Christians attitude, marriage partner. And this man, is he is from Srikakulam. Okay? You know what he says? Christavola and the in the she she needs to be a very beautiful, fair looking girl. This fellow looks like something else. But he wants a very beautiful looking. Ka A woman who gets all that dowry. Okay. She has to be from my caste. Ah. You should be a Christian, but no mala madhiga, okay. You know that? That is the reason why when we went to this, uh, register these uh, marriages, no. <laughs> Krishna Gopalan. Oh, sorry, it's, it's, it'll be very interesting when I take comes. Uh, this thing to the register. Chari, Ramachari, Swapna Reddy. Christian marriage? <gasps> this is exa- I, I'm putting, I'm preempting this. I've I didn't, I already prepared them. I said, when we go to the office, this is the first question they'll ask me. Love marriage? What will your answer be? And this is exactly what they will ask. Love marriage? What is this love marriage, Baba? <laughs> okay, this is what Ramachari getting married to Reddy. See, this is, that is, that is the reason why I like, I like what Pastor said on Sunday, no? Paul was a man who knew his identity in Christ. He became all things to all people because he wanted to win some, at least by becoming all things to all people and never compromising his convictions. Kaka, kuku ko hale by the way ko ke woodo dirgamaste ko ante anni talli talli dandralni kudukocchi anni sambhandhiska andar kudukoni vachesalanta so this is ka ka kukku that is how christians are when they when it comes to kalyanam happy is the man really honestly who stands on his convictions like shibu so this time when I went to Shibu Anna's place, you know, I told him, Shibu I, I remember the time that you said how you got married. How you went to your, uh, your, uh, your, you know, Pendle Chupulu in your Hawaii Chappals. He was looking at me smiling. His son was listening, okay. He was proud now. His son was getting shocked. Now his son is a teenager, no? He's getting shocked. And I remember for your wedding, you gave chai and tea biscuit and sent everybody. Anna, this is what I started. I told in the church also, we should start a revolution like that. And you know what, Shibana, hey, Vijay, if they have money, no, they can know. <laughs> See, (laughs) if if they have money, they should, they should be, they they can spend, but they should not force and get into debt. Uh, I said, (laughs) yeah. But you should have, you know, this is the, the most interesting thing. A guy who has a lot of money should marry like that. You know why? Jesus had a lot of money. But he made himself of no reputation. That is the way of the cross. King of kings, Lord of lords, running for his life. Can you imagine? And somebody had to bring some gold from the east to give him sufficient money so they can run to Egypt. That is God. Okay? That is what we call making yourself of no reputation and humbling yourself. But okay, let's move on. Servants, be subject to your own masters with all respect. And other translations will say all fear. Okay, here you can put all kinds of servants. Shaftware engineers, hardware engineers, software engineers, maids, everybody. Don't say flipping burgers is my, below my dignity. Your grandparents called it opportunity. Okay, you got that? It's very difficult. These things, these are principles, these are attitudes, this is how you know that you have, what, emptied yourself. That you have met Jesus again for the first time. But, If when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, that is gracious in the sight of God. For to this you have been called. Because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example. So that you might what? Follow after his footsteps. Okay? He went outside the camp, bearing the reproach for us. We also follow him where? Not inside the camp, outside the camp, bearing his reproach. Luke's Gospel chapter 24. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all of the prophets have spoken. I told you, right? Was it not necessary that Christ should have suffered these things and then enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, that the things concerning himself. And because he did all this, what did God do? He exalted him. So where does promotion come from? 75 verse 6, for promotion cometh neither from the east, Not from the west, not from the south, so where should it come from? North. Thank you. You're all smart people, I say. You know your four directions. Your compass is good. Look up. That is the reason why we are looking at looking at Jesus, fixing your eyes on Jesus, fixing your minds and thoughts on Jesus, fixing your heart on Jesus. This is what we call, this this calls for what we call a patient endurance. This is the last verse. I'm going to end with this. Romans chapter 2. He will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience in well-doing seek for glory, honor and immortality. This is glory from God, honor from God. Whose honor? Whose glory? Your glory. Your honor. Your immortality from God. He will give eternal life. But to those who are self-seeking, as I said, just the opposite. And do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil to the Jew first and also to the Greek. But glory, honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also to the Greek. For God shows no partiality. Q-E-D. Have you met Jesus? Again, for the first time? You know, sometimes when we look at all these verses in new light, Arey, this is the first time I'm looking at this in this light. Thank God. What are we doing? We are looking at Jesus for the first time again, so that we check our attitude if we are really being emptied, so that He can fill us. Shall we pray? Father, we just thank you, Father, for this time that you have given to us. I pray father. That all of us. We are on this path oh lord. We have not arrived anywhere. I am. Far from. What you demand from me. But lord. We want to press on lord. We just don't want to be satisfied with our status quo. And lord we want to contend. Like Jacob. When you want to go away from us. And say lord. Unless you bless me. I will not let you go. Enable us, Lord Father, to constantly empty ourselves. Father, it will be painful if you empty us. It will be painful if you humble us. But Lord, wisdom is in we emptying ourselves. Like your son humbled himself, made himself of no reputation, took upon himself the form of uh, likeness of man did not cling to his rights, but gave up his rights voluntarily. That is what you are asking us to do, O Lord. So that you can fill us. Enable us to be a set of people who will desire to be empty so that you can fill us. Thank you, Father. We praise you, Lord. We worship you. We give you glory. In Jesus' name, Amen.